0: Welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. I'm Sam.
1: Hi, I'm Anna.
0: And today we're talking to you about the Malevolence arc.
1: Our very first arc in the Clone Wars.
0: Yeah, really excited about this. This is the way... I at least intended for this podcast to go was telling the story of the Clone Wars in terms of these short vignettes, because each of these stories is um, they line up really nicely.
1: Yeah, it was a little bit more work to watch all three episodes, but I I understand exactly why we're watching these three together. They seamlessly lead into each other. It's, you know, instantaneous action, Mm -hmm. quick cuts
0: so for those catching up, this is season 1, episode 2, 3, and 4.
1: And this is the Malevolence arc.
0: So it all starts off with the Malevolence itself, which is a separatist superweapon, a ship that is eating entire fleets. Jedi Master Plo Koon has been tasked with chasing it down, and his fleet uh, catches up with it in the, I believe, system? Abogado system. Abogado Abnegado system. Abnegado system.
1: You're welcome for that one. <laughs> I am the Star Wars expert now.
0: Apparently. <laughs> when they get there, uh, they decide that they've retrieved enough information and they're going to take off. But as they do, the malevolence spools up its ion cannon and decimates the fleet, just in time for Plo Koon to send out his location. Meanwhile, back at the fleet, Anakin and Ahsoka receive this message, but they're given separate orders. They have to keep track of a different supply line. And so Ahsoka being the snippy little one that she is, is very anti this plan and makes herself well-known.
1: Being my fave, standing Mm -hmm. up for what she believes in.
0: Yes. So after this conference call where she was very vocal, Anakin yells at her and says, no, we have to do it the right way. And as he flies out to do escort duty, he's heading right towards the Obnegado system.
1: I mean, that's not quite how it happens. He says to her, you can't just go against the Jedi Council. Mm -hmm. And then he says... You can go against the Jedi Council. You just also have to do what they tell you to do.
0: Yes. So, in a way, that is a good lesson to learn from your superiors at work is how to effectively uh, lie and cover your CYA, as they call it in the business.
1: Anakin's like porque no los dos, yeah. and Ahsoka's like oh. oh.
0: So she's learning the uh, the double speak. Meanwhile, in the wreckage of Plo Koon's ship, he's sitting there in an escape pod with a few clones. And as they are there, they see another escape pod. They're trying to signal to them because their power is out, and the other escape pod has been shot at.
1: It's been sliced open like a can of tuna fish, and the clones have been sucked out into space, Mm -hmm. which is, may I say, the most horrifying scene I've possibly ever seen in a cartoon. Maybe that one in Dragon Ball Z when the guy gets all of the bones and his body broken was more (laughs) horrifying. This was a close second.
0: Yeah, it it really shows you the severity of life in space and what those escape pods are designed to do and what they do. So because they're ionized, they can't go anywhere. Cloakun turns it around. They find that, and what they realize is that they're being stalked by these crunchy can-opener ships manned by droids. Mm -hmm. So the droids are following up on them. Meanwhile, Anakin and Ahsoka come to the system and are stealthily looking through the wreckage, trying to find something. But they can't get a signal. Ahsoka knows that Plo Koon is there. She can sense him. They have a really strong connection. The two of them are friends.
1: Mm -hmm. It's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. They are about to give up. Obi-Wan holocron's on. He's like, Anakin, you have to get to the strike team. You have to come with us. Mm -hmm. Turn around. And Ahsoka grabs the wheel.
0: Spins it back into battle.
1: And skips off and immediately finds Plo Koon.
0: Yes, but... Just in time, because the can opener has come, and Plo Koon and his clones have gone outside.
1: Can I just say Plo Koon? Raw dog's space. No suit, mm-hmm. no helmet, balls of steel.
0: Plo Koon, uh, he has had appearances in the movie. He's got a metal rebreather around his mouth and wears cool metal swim Speedo goggles. Speedo goggles? Yeah, so... He actually wears a spacesuit all the time, which is a, you know, it's a cool thing. All right. It makes him very alien, which I appreciate. Hmm. Uh, So they go outside. They shoot up all the droids who are taking the can opener to them. And just in time, Anakin shows up. Now they take all the clones and go inside and realize that the malevolence is stalking after their power signatures. So they shut everything off. However.
1: They forget the medical droid.
0: Who's just sitting there being like, ah, yes, you know, fluids and anti-vacuum pills. And he straight up nice.
1: does not feel bad about it.
0: Well, yeah, because he's a medical droid. So he. The medical droid comes up to the cockpit and is like, hey, the power's out. And they're like, oh, no, we forgot the medical droid. And then they have to power everything up and escape. And as they do, they manage to just barely outfly the ion cannon ball Z there. So- it is
1: truly such an exciting scene. It's mm-hmm. really fun to watch. It's tense.
0: And it shows Anakin flying the heap of junk, which is now the Twilight, at I was absolutely maximum say, speed.
1: Is this the crappy ship that mm-hmm. they stole off of Teth in the Clone Wars movie?
0: So there's a weirdness about um, how space works in Star Wars in that like ships have a maximum speed, and that's not how... Space works. If you keep going- Space is
1: a vacuum. There's no friction, right?
0: Yes. And so if you- I
1: say this with the utter confidence of someone who failed out of high school physics, and (laughs) Sam is a geophysicist by profession.
0: I know my way around space. (laughs) So the, uh, yeah, if you keep accelerating in one direction, you're going to keep going faster and faster until you straight up hit relativistic velocity, which is like- you aren't going to even notice it until you're going about 75% of the speed of light.
1: So are you saying this was good science or bad science? It's
0: Star Wars science. So ships have a maximum velocity. It seems like what Anakin does and did, and this is actually compelling for the next part of this arc, is he just flies faster by holding the pedal down longer than the ship should, or perhaps it is the pilot who is the weak link in the ship.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: So anyway, they escape. And they're very happy to escape. And they meet up with the fleet.
1: It is great. Happy day.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So that's the end of the first episode.
1: So that was Rising Malevolence. Now mm-hmm. we're going to Shadow of Malevolence.
0: Oh, I hadn't noticed that because that's going to come mm-hmm. up in Shadow Squadron, which is fun.
1: Mm-hmm. I thought that was clever.
0: So what they find out is uh, Dooku calls in to General Grievous. Oh, by the way, this is the first time we meet General Grievous in the Clone Wars. It
1: is. I wrote that down.
0: Mm-hmm. So General Grievous is in charge of the malevolence here. And he's you know hacking and coughing up a storm. And he's using the word impossible all the time for things that aren't impossible. <laughs>
1: Inconceivable. Yeah.
0: Like I don't think you know what that means, but uh he's given instructions by Count Dooku for a medical station.
1: Dooku basically assigns him to destroy the most vulnerable of the clones. Mm-hmm.
0: And because the droids are specifically designed to be like easily assembled and disassembled. And they're
1: expensive, script- but yeah.
0: Yeah, they're expensive, but they're more replaceable than the clones mm-hmm. are. So the malevolence has to take a circuitous path to get to this medical frigate from where they are.
1: It has to navigate around a nebula, which Mm -hmm. Anakin points Shadow Squadron straight through.
0: Yeah, so he gets together a group of bombers. And this is the first time we see BTL-4 Y-wing bombers, I believe. Did we see them
1: earlier? You ask me that, like, I'm going to know the answer to this. All right, we see Y-Wings, and those of you
0: watching at home, you know, Y-Wings are the ones that blew up the Death Star. These are the same ships, just with a bunch of pieces filed off because it's 20 years earlier, which is very cool.
1: Hmm. We also meet Matchstick and Broadside. Mm -hmm. And I did not pick up um, Tag. Tag, I think, is the only other clone that was named.
0: yeah. Uh, Plokun's going to fly with them and Ahsoka's like, hey, where's my fighter? And Anakin's like, you're in the back seat because you're 14.
1: And Ahsoka's like, what? You don't like my flying? And Anakin's like, uh, no comment. I can neither <laughs> confirm nor deny. It's great. I love them so much.
0: So they fly and they're going through the nebula. Meanwhile, Kenobi is taking his fleet with Plokun to meet up later because they also have to take a longer route through the nebula.
1: We find out that this shortcut is called Balmora's Run. It is a smuggler's route. Conveniently, it's also inhabited by gigantic space monsters. Yes,
0: the Nebre eels, northern manta rays yeah.
1: with uh, fangs and far too many eyes for my taste, personally over here.
0: I, I mean, I don't know why they have fangs, but
1: they have big they're, mouths. With they're big, big fangs. space.
0: Space creatures, which is fun.
1: Space monsters.
0: Yeah, I like space monsters. One of, I believe it's uh Matchsticks. Y-wing gets damaged, and they barely manage to escape and make it towards. And and Plo is extremely scared because he knows that there's. Well, he's
1: he's not scared. He is disdainful of Anakin's brash attitude. If you yeah. ask me.
0: Yeah, because I imagine he's sitting there saying, "Okay." We're only carrying like 24 torpedoes, so we need to really make a everyone count. Yeah. So, anyway, they arrive just in time as the malevolence is starting to shoot up the medical frigates, which are leaving the medical station, blowing them up. The Y Wings arrive just in time and start flying towards it. It's an extremely intense attack. They're flying, you know, crazily. The ion blast is fired towards them. And
1: so you mean General Grievous's warship has an ion cannon mm-hmm. on board? Yeah, and then he blasts that big purple ion mm-hmm.
0: His plasma Dragon ball. Blast. Z, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, And he, he
0: shoots out several of them, including as uh, Anakin's trying to bring Shadow Squadron up and over the ball. Match Dick's engine explodes, and he crashes into Tag. And so between that and getting hit by the ion cannon, they lose about half their Y-wings.
1: They lose. Between three and five of their squadron, I was trying to keep count. It was almost half of his force, I
0: think it was five. Yeah. yeah, And so they are still attacking. They're still going after the bridge. As they're getting there, Grievous is charging the ion cannon again to take out the entire medical station. he's he's going for bear. ahsoka says
1: this plan isn't working. Mm-hmm. We need to do something else. What she says is, Anakin, you can fly like this, but no one else on this planet or off of it can keep up with you. We need a new plan. Yes. And, and as always, she is correct.
0: And Plo Koon says, let's just blow up the guns. And you can see a moment where Anakin is looking at the bridge and he's like, I can kill the Grievous, but mm-hmm. let's blow up the guns. Mm-hmm. So they swing around, they shoot out one of the guns. And in an interesting flash forward there, there's a bunch of droids who are looking over this enormous laser tube, just controlling it. As it's firing, after it's been hit by a bunch of torpedoes, it fires, both weapons explode pretty spectacularly. The whole ship lights on fire, and right then Kenobi rides in to save the day.
1: Mm -hmm. It's very cool. I had this palpable sense of relief when I saw the Jedi warships kind of coast into view and like pew, 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 as Grievous is like full retreat with his tail between his legs. And Mm -hmm. the Jedi warship just kind of float along.
0: And yeah, he's got, so Grievous has no hyperdrive and he has. He doesn't have his main guns, but mm-hmm. it's still a stupidly huge dreadnought.
1: It is. It's very intimidating. And then we coast right into the final episode of this arc, which is destroy the Malevolence.
0: Mm-hmm. So the bombers land, the fleet is chasing after the Malevolence and they're like, hey, we can't even, like we're shooting it. And it's just too big. It's just soaking up laser fire. Meanwhile, on board the Malevolence, Dooku phones in again, con- you know, continuing to get more and more irate at his scuffed up new ride, and says, I have a decoy for you.
1: He says, I have a trap for you. Yes. Actually, Palpatine has a trap for Grievous, which mm-hmm. is that he fed Padme false information. And he said, you need to go straight away and negotiate this treaty with the Bank Guild.
0: The Banking Guild, yeah. So Padme shows up right in front of the malevolence. She pops out of hyperspace and is like in its gaping maw. And
1: Grievous just sucks her in with a tractor beam.
0: Just in time for her to say, hey, help. And Anakin's like, stop firing. That's my girlfriend. Anakin's I mean, wait, like, what? Padme?
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are you doing here?
0: So what they decide to do is they do stop firing. They're still chasing. Anakin and Obi-Wan jump into the twilight and decide to pull off the incredibly sneaky plan of Flying up really close and (laughs) opening the emergency (laughs) airlock and going through it.
1: It's actually so great.
0: There's a lot of good banter back and forth. There's so much good
1: Obi-Wan Anakin banter. Mm -hmm. Also, my love, R2, is along for the ride. He's got to be. Also, Padme's new BFF, C-3PO, is along for the ride. Or
0: Stolen Droid, yeah.
1: It's like they split up the kids. It's actually so (laughs) wonderful. Padme's the only one who's nice to C-3PO, so I guess it makes sense.
0: So Padme immediately goes into action Padme mode, overloads her engines, and slides out of the ship, leaving it trapped for whoever climbs aboard. General Grievous climbs aboard, Recognizes that the engines are trapped, dives out, throwing some droids in the way, and it explodes.
1: Classic action, Padme. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Also,
0: classic General Grievous. Like, this is a trap, and I will just skitter away on my legs because so that's great. what he does. He's, so a, he's a skitterer. Padme gets, she's sneaking around. She overhears that the hyperdrive is actually getting quite close to being fixed. So. At about that time, Anakin and Obi-Wan land on the ship, and they decide to meet in the rail yard in the middle of this ship, because it's a big ship. It has a a train conduit through the center of it, which I enjoy. I like that imagery.
1: I love that Ahsoka pulls up the scanned image of the ship and is like, okay, this thing is gigantic, but there's an even more gigantic space in the middle, so... Mm -hmm. Point yourself towards the center. See if you bang into each other at some point.
0: So they aren't seeing each other until Padme and C3PO draw a little bit of attention, and then there's a gunfight.
1: There's an amazing chase scene, and it is just like Attack of the Clones. They're on conveyor belts, mm-hmm. they're like bouncing back and forth. C3PO falls off and is in imminent peril. Yes. They have to rescue him. It is so great.
0: So after this scene, what ends up happening is that Grievous is following Kenobi. Kenobi is following C-3PO. And Padme and Anakin are going to the bridge. Yeah. And R2 is just doing R2 stuff.
1: R2 is assigned to find C-3PO. So actually... Grievous is following Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan is following C-3PO. C-3PO and R2 are trying to find Anakin and Padme. And Anakin and Padme are just off doing whatever BS they're doing. (laughs) 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 Which is bugging the hyperdrive.
0: Yes. Uh, And smoochin. And smoochin. They they very nearly have an on-screen kiss.
1: Smoochus interruptus, I would say.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So um, Kenobi makes his way to the hyperdrive and gets there and ba-ba-ba, it's a trap. And he's just completely surrounded by a bazillion droids. And then he proceeds- To which
1: he's like, whatever.
0: Yeah, and just like deals with it. General Grievous is like, hello there. I finally have you where I want you. And, and Kenobi's like, no, no, you don't. But
1: well, Obi-Wan is like, you're not impressing me much. And then just like <laughs> somersaults away.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a-, it's a very cool fight scene. But he makes his escape and does not- blow up the hyperdrive mm-hmm. so the hyperdrive is still being held what anakin and padme do is they go up to the bridge and in a really uh surprisingly awkward scene they're like they go in they kill all the droids and he's like all right i'm gonna start hot wiring the hyperdrive you clean up the droids and it's like,
1: literally like okay i'm gonna handle the manly stuff padme you handle the girl stuff and there's such an awkward moment where padme's like okay, okay. it's
0: a little bit of funky shading. there's a, there's quite a bit of that in the whole Padme Anakin action interaction because every time there's an action scene he's like okay I'll take care of this fine whatever
1: and yeah it's like, on the nose it's horrifying I guess if I look into it a little bit deeper I'm like okay this is probably lip service like there there's probably a point to this yeah for the discerning viewer the, or,
0: or perhaps it's just showing their relationship and I think one of the keystones of their relationship is that it's basically all in Anakin's head, the way that they should interact with each other.
1: Mm. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Moving
0: right along.
1: While I digest that.
0: Yeah. Uh, so R2-D2 does, in fact, manage to rescue C-3PO. They're wandering off. Meanwhile, on the bridge, uh, Anakin finishes with his stuff, and Anakin and Padme climb aboard the elevator just as another elevator full of droids comes up to the bridge and is like, oh, I guess the hyperdrive's fixed because they're droids in there.
1: Dumb. Real dumb.
0: <laughs> they get aboard. Everyone else escapes. They climb to the twilight. They start running away. Grievous hops into his ship to follow them. And then he gets a message saying, hey, the hyperdrive is fixed. We're going to bounce. And he's like, yeah, do that. I'll meet you. I'll meet up with you later. I'm going to chase down these bulls and shoot them down.
1: And then he immediately gets another message that's like, hey, the hyperdrive is not fixed.
0: The ship is tilting and teetering and pointing towards a nearby moon. And then it... Hyperdrives into it.
1: They literally hyperdrive into the moon.
0: Killing all the inhabitants.
1: It was glorious. Wait, hang on, what? (laughs) Wait, what? No, no.
0: no. Anyway, the... The, I mean, they didn't say anything about inhabitants. No one
1: mentioned any inhabitants on that moon.
0: But there's inhabitants on every moon.
1: There are not.
0: Everyone in Star Wars. Every planet on Star Wars is a We seems were just on
1: it. the remote moon where the Toydarian King Katuko met Yoda and, and were, everyone, and, and there, there was little, like no one there. There were little
0: flying bird creatures. There were? Yeah, they flew around, they flew around Yoda.
1: This is horrifying. I'm going to Google this later.
0: Okay. Anyway, Dooku calls Grievous and is like, hey, where's my ship? And. Grievous just hangs up on him and hyperspaces away.
1: Dooku's like, I'm currently out of the office. This is not my problem anymore. <laughs> I'm
0: having a bad day.
1: So we can assume that this gigantic dreadnought was destroyed? Question mark?
0: Yes. Okay.
1: Excellent. It
0: is. Uh, you- yes.
1: Excellent. It is now
0: ore on the surface of this moon. So.
1: That is delightful.
0: And then uh, at the end, Plo Koon and Ahsoka and Anakin have a have a talk. And Plo Koon is impressed and gives a bunch of accolades to Anakin.
1: Which is interesting. And we will I have agree. to talk about that. I agree.
0: I think that was a really interesting note. And the Malevolence has been destroyed.
1: <laughs>
0: so that's the plot of the Malevolence arc. It's a big Ooh. ship. It blows up. Everyone's involved. All the major players.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of thoughts about the plotting of this, the arc of it. Where do you want to start?
0: Let's start at the beginning, if that works for you.
1: Let's start at the beginning. The first thing that I noticed is that this color palette was so much more dramatic. Then Okay, so you open up in Rising Malevolence a gigantic, burning, molten red planet against a black background, and the color palette for the entire first episode is red and black. Red and black. Everywhere you look, it is oppressive, actually.
0: Mm-hmm. It's really
1: intimidating.
0: It's full of despair.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I think that's the point, to show the deadliness of space, open space
1: so what i noticed in this arc is that the episodes go from darkest to dark to lighter did you notice that progression
0: yes another thing i noticed is that this is a really important part of the ahsoka character arc
1: interesting why do you think so because i had a different thought
0: i have heard from other commenters uh, in the star wars fandom that and and i, I see this as well Ahsoka is meant to be too Mary sue at first.
1: In this episode or just in the beginning of The Clone Wars?
0: In the beginning of The Clone Wars, and it takes several arcs, including this one, before her wisdom is tempered and she becomes a more relatable character. In a way, mm. the creation of the character, instead of being someone who is brought in and flanderizes into a, a caricature of a character, mm-hmm. she starts mm-hmm. out as a caricature. And then tempers over time.
1: Interesting because that takes a lot of faith in your audience to not immediately write her off.
0: Yeah. And like, if you're sitting there and you're like, okay, we're doing Star Wars, it's going to be about the Clone Wars. And as one of the major characters, we want to have a like 14 year old girl,
1: major original character. Mm-hmm. Like, Ahsoka's the creation of Dave Filoni, yeah. is she not? Yeah, she is. That is putting a lot of faith in your audience to accept a young, female, original character who's not been in anything before this and has to start out as a Mary Sue.
0: So they made her an extreme Mary Sue, made her more Anakin than Anakin. Even as a Padawan in the Clone Wars movie, right? Mm -hmm. She's always running ahead.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And then she's like, oh, I'm going to be an ace pilot just like Anakin. And it's like, you're not like...
1: Go sit in the backseat. Yeah,
0: sit in the backseat. With
1: R2, Mm -hmm. where he can take care of you.
0: But... She still has, in the first episode of this, she still has her force sensitivity to follow Plo Koon. She just has a very relatable, uh, she has a broader spectrum of resources to draw from than Anakin in terms of friendships within the Jedi Order. Mm. I think that's touched on.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So uh, unfortunately, she has basically no role in the third episode of this arc, but it's an interesting growth for her that I noticed.
1: I wanted to talk about Ahsoka, at least in the first episode, because of her origin story as it relates to Plo Koon. I didn't pick this up on the first watch, but I picked this up more recently. She says that Plo Koon found her and oh. uh, and brought her to the Jedi Temple. Right. So we can assume by that that Ahsoka was at some point lost.
0: More than that, it is the job of some Jedi to go out and use Holocron in the forest to uh, pick up Force-sensitive babies. Kind of like what Qui-Gon front.
1: did with Annie.
0: Except that Anakin was much older than he should have been.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: that is a duty. And so that means that Lokun was the first Jedi that Ahsoka met. They met when she was very, very young, like three, mm-hmm. four years old. Mm-hmm. And he took her away from her family.
1: Oh, see, because what I picked up on this was that Ahsoka was tying together the fact that at one point, I assumed Ahsoka was lost. Plo Koon found her mm-hmm. and brought her to the Jedi Temple. And Ahsoka's now seeing an opportunity where Plo Koon is lost. And she's the only one who has the drive to find him and make him found again.
0: You know, from a certain point of view, that's definitely how one would see it. Because being a Force user who is untrained, you would have a feeling of like extreme... I mean, something, it's impossible to say. Um, it's such on a little bit in the sequel movies though that you feel like you have a, a sense of purpose and you don't know how to use it.
1: Mm. And if that
0: is how Ahsoka felt even at a young age, then she would feel lost even in her house or whatever her origin story is.
1: That's beautiful. It puts The Mandalorian in a little bit of a different light. And in three years, when we finally get to talk about Mando. Unless maybe...
0: there's more shows in between.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: That's what that's what we started her with. And and I'm actually really glad that we're starting in this chronological order because it places so much emphasis on learning these complexities.
1: Mm-hmm. I'll I'll wrap this up by saying I was a little disappointed that we start off really Ahsoka-heavy in this arc, and then she basically trickles away to nothing. She's not even a presence in uh, Destroy Malevolence.
0: I've noticed this in uh, particularly this more critical watch-through, that there is very little Ahsoka-Kenobi interaction.
1: Okay. Yes, I am so glad that you brought this up because... When Sam and I wanted to start this podcast, mm-hmm. we wrote down our extremely basic high-level notes on a big spreadsheet. And the only thing that I remembered about the malevolence arc, and I wrote this down verbatim, Plo Koon is the only good mentor that Ahsoka has. Poor one out for Plo Koon. Mm-hmm. And that's because there's so little Obi-Wan, Ahsoka, interaction. But I think that would be so wonderful for the two of them to hang out and like drink tea and gossip about Anakin. And for Ahsoka to get some good advice.
0: Yeah. I don't know why that isn't there. This also um, touches on one very funny thing which is that like so here we are in season one episode two of the clone wars we meet general grievous for the first time and anakin and grievous do not meet until the last battle of the clone wars the yes. battle over coruscant because if you've seen that movie you're shorter than i expected it's like oh you've never met in life how you've did, never once you seen each off? other yeah. you have
1: been dancing circles around each other for mm-hmm, years for years
0: I so find great. that very funny.
1: I do find that really fun.
0: Another thing, right before we started recording, I went and I looked up the sinking of the Bismarck during World War II, which is... That uh,
1: is so nerdy.
0: I know. I'm, I'm a little bit of a naval warfare history nerd.
1: All right.
0: All right. So the Bismarck was a World War II battleship uh, for the Kriegsmarine, the um the German Navy. And as part of it, it, it didn't last very long, similar to the Malevolence. It was only in service for less than a year. Oof. Yeah, and it was a super weapon because it was extremely fast and it was um, running around causing all sorts of trouble. Eventually, a bunch of very swordfish biplanes, which are these janky torpedo bombers, took out its rudder and it was stuck. And then a whole bunch of ships caught up with it and shot it to pieces. Wait, and it was that's actually so scuttled. great. Yeah. So I was like, wow, that actually really, except for the Padme bit, really parallels this story in that. A group of bombers show up and take out this naval monster superweapon.
1: Do you think they borrowed that from history?
0: I mean, I don't think they didn't.
1: That's extremely cool. Yeah. I think that's very fun. Yeah. I have often thought about how much I would like to sit in the writer's room of the Clone Wars and just see all the things that they're inspired by. (laughs) That would be a dream.
0: Well, that's the whole Star Wars experience. So Mm. much of it is... Through old radio serials, Buck Rogers, and through samurai movies, Mm. and through um, Westerns. Yeah, Westerns. There's there's strong Western tones.
1: Arthurian legends.
0: Yeah. And then during the Clone Wars, there's a lot of this is, you know, a fun and interesting retelling of this famous battle in space. And that's kind of what this felt like.
1: Hmm. That's nice because. After we finish watching these three episodes, you know me, normally I have 18 pages of notes and I'm champing at the bit to talk about everything. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have a whole lot that was extremely profound to say about this arc. And it is possible that there's a lot of deep history lore in there that I simply could not appreciate, not being a student of naval warfare. <laughs> Which you shouldn't have to be to appreciate Star Wars, yeah. but it yeah. adds an extra layer it's- of... Goodness. I
0: mean, I don't think that having a deep appreciation of World War II naval lore and Cartoon Network are really very well-connected Venn circles there, but- Only know, for
1: you, Sam. Only for
0: me. Only for me.
1: You are the 0.1%.
0: Yeah. Another thing, speaking uh, broadly in those terms that I noticed, this. is so this is the first time, I believe, that we see those Y-wings. No, we saw them in the Clone Wars, but acting as bombers. And I think that that's interesting because a lot of the other ships we're seeing are these B-19 torrents which have three big wings, and those are flying around being interceptors launched from ships. And then Hmm. we see these hyperspace-capable long-range bombers. That is something which is going to be more important in the Empire era. The difference between having a bunch of heavy, expensive ships that can kind of go anywhere do anything, or you have one big destroyer that can glass a planet with a bunch of interceptors on it that'll solve all your problems. Hmm. And this shows the evolution. And I think someone put a lot of effort into making that connection. Hmm. So I thought that was cool. Kind of nerdy. Also love the train fight scene. My gosh, that was fun.
1: The conveyor belt?
0: Yeah. Uh, I liked it. The particular the part where Grievous jumps in and he's swinging his lightsabers, and Obi Wan's like, "Okay, I don't want to be part of this." Obi
1: Wan just like dips, and yeah. he's like, "Bye."
0: That was his jam the entire time. He's like, "This ship is about to be blown up. I'm basically here to get the hostages off and bound." So I'm just sassy. Obi Wan was on a different
1: level this episode.
0: Yes, he was re- like in the scene at the hyperdrive. Grievous is like, "Ho oh, oh, ho ho! Do you really believe I'd leave the hyperdrive unguarded?" And he's like, "I don't know. I mean." From what I've seen today, yes, um,
1: absolutely.
0: Expect anything.
1: Can I tell you something deeply embarrassing? Sure. The opening scene of Rising Malevolence is Obi Wan, like a close up of Obi Wan's face, and his (laughs) eyebrows are so perfectly manicured; they look great, and Obi Wan looks great, and I just reignited my crush on Ewan McGregor in this whole arc which if you look like anybody in star wars sam you look no like, i
0: know i was gonna say you look like episode she, two she obi-wan specifically asked me to uh, trim my beard a different way and i i, I definitely look more like obi-wan
1: you do so. <laughs> i'm i'm not complaining yeah
0: yeah i mean it's a good look if you're gonna look like anyone look like obi-wan
1: for real I really want to talk about Anakin in this arc.
0: Anakin is interesting in this arc and also the Anakin Padme interactions. Anakin
1: has a lot of layers. Mm -hmm. The first thing that I have really struggled mightily with is the interaction between Anakin and Ahsoka in the first episode of the arc where Anakin basically says doing what the council says. That's one thing. How we go about doing it. That's another. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm trying to teach you. And I was like, God, I love the spirit. This is so fun. I love them so much. I love that they're getting to do what they feel is right while also accomplishing the Jedi Council's goals. Is that a good lesson, though, for a Padawan?
0: So as you were asking this question, I was thinking about some of the stuff I was reading in High, the High Republic books and how, as we talked about yeah, in episode one, uh, Phantom Menace, what a Jedi's purvey should be. Mm -hmm. And so at this point of the war, Anakin was a Padawan for five to seven years, and then he's been in the war for a few months. He still has this idealistic version of what a Jedi does, which is you're given a task, it's very broad, and it's up to you on how to execute it. Mm
1: -hmm, Absolutely.
0: And that is not how things are in war. So what he is teaching her is a important lesson, but when you follow it through in war, it leads to um, you know, insubordination and possibly problems. And what's doubly weird is that at the end, Plo Koon is so magnanimous with Anakin and his success.
1: Right. Because Polterians. this whole arc, Plo Koon is really critiquing Anakin's style in a subtle way. It's a little shady. It's not overt. But Plo Koon says in Destroy Malevolence, There he goes again, craving adventure and excitement. And Mm -hmm. Ahsoka, importantly, says, you get used to it. Mm -hmm. Maybe your Padawan gets used to it because that's the only thing that she's been exposed to with her Jedi Master. Mm -hmm. But Plo Koon has been a Jedi far longer than Anakin has. And it just points to the fact that Anakin, I think, would do this anyway. It is in his personality. It was not taught out of him, he was not taught in a compelling way to act differently than he wants to. Mm. And Anakin would always be chasing adventure and excitement, even if it wasn't wartime.
0: Especially because he, the negative consequences that he deals with, kind of have an interesting perspective shift. So during this whole arc, multiple Jedi cruisers are destroyed, and each of multiple those
1: lives is, are lost. Yeah,
0: I mean, each of those is hundreds or thousands of lives. And Anakin at the end of the bombing run seems completely distraught over the loss of five or six maybe of his mm-hmm. of his pilots and I think it's because he knew them more closely and so that's where he fails the Jedi code because he's extremely connected to people.
1: And it was an act of hubris that got them killed. It's Absolutely. one th- it's one thing to take an objective look at your tactics and say okay, this is risky, but I do truly believe that we can do it. I think Anakin completely ignored the fact that he was probably the only pilot in the sector that could do what he was asking his clone troopers to do. And it is mentioned so many times that his plan is too aggressive, Mm -hmm. but no one seems to be able to deter him because normally he gets results.
0: I wonder, and this is not something which I've been exposed to either in study or whatever, how much this is like leading a religious army on crusade or something. And if you were to be a general and say, you know, it is the will of the force, it is the will of the great spaghetti monster that this is going to go the way that I declare it to be. And if you do that enough times, you might get results. I recently read um, a book about the Imam Shamal in the Caucasus in the 1830s. And absolutely spectacular warrior who got results and people worshipped him as, you know, a prophet. And I think that that is a compelling way to look at things is due to the quasi mystic or actually full mystic quasi religious nature of the force in many people's minds. And there's people who straight up use it that you're left with people following The Jedi as if they have powers to bend fate.
1: That's really interesting because as I was thinking back on some of the notes that we haven't gotten to in previous episodes, Mm -hmm. I do think that at some point we should have an in-depth discussion about religion in Star Wars because I remembered in The Phantom Menace, Qui-Gon is talking to the Gungans and tells them straight up, this is what your god wills to happen. Mm -hmm. It's just Qui-Gon force tricking them. Yeah. And I can't believe we didn't talk about it.
0: There's another scene in Empire Strikes Back when Han Solo says, well, then I'll see you in hell, which mm. implies that there is a hell in the Star Wars universe. Oh, man. But the only person who ever actually calls out a higher power is C-3PO.
1: Oh, thanks the says, maker. Which
0: is Anakin Skywalker. Thank so, Darth Vader. Yeah. Wow.
1: Well, wow. Well, so fun. The only other thing that I have to say about Anakin that is really important is... Um, in Destroy Malevolence, when Padme is sucked into Grievous' ship with a tractor beam and Anakin is like, stop firing, Obi-Wan does this little chin stroke, mm-hmm. he definitely knows they're banging. Yeah. He knows. For
0: sure. Everybody
1: knows. Everybody.
0: You can't hide it. But I want to talk about the Anakin and Padme on the bridge scene because
1: mm. that is
0: so awkward.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. The,
0: like, Anakin has this... There's an awkwardness about him in this episode because he is a general. He is at war, and there's his wife, and like he has to be like secret about her. So he vacillates between treating her like his wife and like a soldier.
1: Do you want to know what I found was really awkward about that scene? Is that Padme proves her mettle again and again Mm -hmm. over the entire course of Star Wars, but also in this arc. She is gunning people down. She immediately turns into action Padme. There's multiple scenes where the quote-unquote camera is holding on her, just blasting and taking down droids. She
0: gets the closest to killing Grievous.
1: She does, and... Obi-Wan says, wow, she really seems to know her way around as she takes over the gunner.
0: hmm. And when you first listen to that, you think, wow, shes it's because he's like calling out that she's been in this ship before. Ooh. Yeah. But now I think, as you say it, that he's calling her out as action Padme and recognizes that Anakin might not see that in her.
1: Mm, I think it's both because, of course, Obi-Wan was present in Attack of the Clones when mm-hmm. Padme like... Mulan's her way up the execution block and bobby pins her way out of her handcuffs.
0: Well, he's the one who called it out. Yeah, because Anakin's looking at Obi Wan and says, "But what about Padme?" And Obi Wan's like, "I think she's got. I think she's got her control as she's up there." So this whole time, Obi Wan is seeing Padme for who she is, and Anakin isn't.
1: Get yourself an Obi Wan, ladies. (laughs) Come on, now. We don't have time for boys that that don't recognize our action potential.
0: You know that is that. That difference between a man and a boy, I think, is the difference between Obi-Wan and Anakin. Because Obi-Wan sees people for who they are and has uh, a passion for things and a responsibility for things. Mm -hmm. And Anakin imposes his will upon the world and tries to follow through with it. And it almost seems like everyone has to go around complimenting him for existing.
1: Mm. Whoever you love... Don't choose an Anakin. This has been a PSA.
0: Yes. None of us want that. (laughs) Especially younglings.
1: (laughs) Oh, Sam! (laughs) Spoilers. Sam! (laughs) God, I didn't need this today.
0: Uh, Yeah, well... So at the end of the Malevolence arc, I find it interesting. The relationship between Dooku and Grievous is another interesting one.
1: Okay, I wanted to talk about did you notice that every time Dooku speaks in this arc, it is couched in the terms of failure? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Everything he says to Grievous is something to the effect of your failure is so unfortunate. You failed us once again. You
0: Not know, compound your failure. <sighs> yeah. That is very interesting. And I wonder if that's how Dooku motivates Grievous
1: or like what the deal is. Because I think that's how Dooku sees the world. Ooh, That is. Do you remember in the sci-fi movie Arrival when they're trying to communicate with aliens? Mm -hmm. Yes. The Chinese use Mahjong tablets and the main linguist says, if you only ever give people a hammer to communicate, they start to see everything as a weapon. Yeah. If you're a Sith Lord and you only ever see success and failure, everything that doesn't serve you or your purpose is failure.
0: I wonder if that actually... So from like three holograms in this, we're actually getting to the core of Count Dooku here, which is that perhaps the reason he left the Jedi and basically founded the Separatist movement is, or at least like something which... Gave him kindling for it, is that he had impossibly high standards
1: mm. for what like
0: the Jedi Order are, for his relationship with Yoda, and for the Republic. And he wanted a life above and beyond that.
1: Ooh, which makes sense why Anakin is irresistibly drawn to that way of life.
0: Absolutely, because he's got the exact same problems and that he holds everyone to an impossibly high standard, but he cannot abide failure either.
1: Wow. I feel like we should get our psychiatrist licenses. That was some prime armchair psychology. <laughs>
0: I mean, if you get to if you get to watch animated video of people for umpteen hours, then you get to learn a lot about them. So, there's definitely more subtlety in real people than there are in these characters. But that's drama, and that's what this is.
1: That's showbiz, baby. <laughs>
0: so, this is three episodes. I want to hear how many bays you got, baby.
1: Are you saying it's time for Baywatch? It is
0: time for Baywatch. It
1: is indeed time for Baywatch. Baywatch. Okay, I will give you five dollars if you can guess correctly first try. Okay. I owe you five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Sam was like, "Pay up!" Obviously, it's Plo Koon. Okay, but I have receipts. Um, did you know that in addition to Yoda facts, in the previous episode, we are now the undeserving recipients of Plo Koon pearls.
0: By the end of uh, season seven, Anna's going to be a straight-up Jedi master. She's really paying attention to the Jedi hair.
1: Thank you. I'm taking notes. I wrote down all three fortune cookies. Every time I paused and I wrote it down, I was like, ooh, yeah, that is life advice. Tattoo that on my body.
0: So what are these Plo Koon pearls? Okay,
1: so the Plo Koon pearls are so good. Here's one of my favorites. He is stuck in the life pod Mm -hmm. with the clones, and they're basically saying, we're expendable. You know, leave us behind. We're using up all the air, which is really dark, actually. Yes. And the clones are saying, maybe there's a chance that someone will rescue us or we can get out of this. And Plo Koon rolls up and says, I don't believe in chance. I know if we work together, we're going to survive. And I value your life over anything in this situation. Mm-hmm. He raw dogs it in space. Yeah. He launches himself into the galaxy with nothing but his speedo
0: <laughs> and his Jedi robes
1: and his Jedi robes and his lightsaber. It,
0: it, I love that scene because he's like, um he calls out one of his clones. He's like, "Your turn!" and he space flings him so that he can shoot the droids from and behind,
1: boomerangs him right back. Which
0: is, it's a cool move.
1: It was one of my favorite fight scene moments in anything that I've seen so far.
0: Yeah, there's good lightsaber fights in this. There like, are one, one good one in each episode. Well. In the first and third episodes.
1: Also, when he sees the can opener droids coming along, he straight up says, it's time to go. And the clones are like, where are you going? And he says, and I quote, to destroy the enemy. Mm-hmm. Oh, it yeah. was so good.
0: That's good. That's good. I like that.
1: It was so good.
0: He also... uh Is the one who comes up with the plan to blow out the guns in the Malevolence. That's all him.
1: Mm -hmm. That is indeed true. We didn't actually get a ton more Plo Koon pearls. They were basically in the first episode. Mm -hmm. Actually, we did get one in the Shadow of Malevolence, which uh, they're they're going through the nebula. And Ahsoka's like, I can't see anything. And Plo Koon is just like, clear your mind, young one, and you'll see a path forward. Mm -hmm. Ah, he's so great. Aside from the Plo Koon pearls... I think he's a phenomenal mentor to Ahsoka. There is obviously a bond of love between them that made me a little misty. <laughs> we get like a Plasoka hug. It's great.
0: A plasoka hug. A,
1: plas- a Plokoon Ahsoka hug. Wow.
0: I think that is the first time that that word has ever been assembled in the English language.
1: Thank you. I'm going to take my copyright on that one. Please do. That's all I got. <laughs> it's obviously Plokoon. He's right. Bay.
0: Do you want your $5 back? Why? Who do you think I'm gonna choose?
1: General Grievous. Oh.
0: Okay, wait. Let me think. General Grievous is a butt monkey. (laughs) Padme. No. Ah, really? Yeah.
1: Okay, I get one more guess.
0: Sure. Okay. There's
1: like six characters. So I've gone through two of them. Mm -hmm. I'm staring deep into Sam's eyes.
0: I'm just going to say it.
1: Obi-Wan. Yes. Yes.
0: Obi-Wan is hilarious. He
1: really is. (laughs) He is wonderful.
0: Obi-Wan is absolutely hilarious in this. He is excellent at fighting. He doesn't get into a lot of fights. He always shows up. He does his thing, which is like, I'm going to leave all this flying around to Anakin. I'm going to show up in a cruiser and solve the problem with the cruiser because the cruiser is the correct tool for the job.
1: As befits my station. Exactly. As the dignified one. As
0: the dignified one. But then when Anakin's Pinky like... Pinky out
1: Obi-Wan. Yeah.
0: But then when Anakin's like, all right, we're going to go in there and lightsaber General Grievous. Obi-Wan's like, yeah, all right. I'm, I'm in. Like, Okay. It's fun. kind
1: of the Yoda thing. It's like, I'm going to chill till I can chill. And then I'm going to become a chaos gremlin and lightsaber you. Yes.
0: Yes. Although, uh, in this case, Obi-Wan was just kind of running around, talking smack, and blowing things up.
1: <laughs> and a, he does it so well. There's a
0: great scene when uh, he's riding along on a train, and three droids are sitting there. And one's like, fire! And two of them fire. And then one's like, wait, no! And then Anakin and Obi-Wan smack the lights or, or the laser bolts back at them and shoot the two of them.
1: It is actually really really badass and
0: that is how he rolls to the entire time like after after Obi-Wan defeats all these droidicas, all these battle droids in the hyperdrive but does have to run away one last blaster bolt comes right towards him and he knocks it out of the way and a droid is like wow that's impressive and <laughs> Grievous so just amazing. smacks him he's like you don't get to compliment the enemy
1: Grievous is like shut up Yeah, I'm emasculated <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean probably literally but also yeah
1: Oh. he's
0: he's more a machine than man
1: <laughs> Oh, no, say off.
0: Uh, That's hilarious. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting one up in the Obi-Wan column for this because he is uh, extremely funny.
1: He is so, so funny and so great. That launches Obi-Wan to the number one slot on the Bay Power Rankings. Yeah. Well, Congratulations, Obi-Wan.
0: He's going to have a hard time dropping below that because he's a major character. But he's
1: a, And he's a on. major Bay. <laughs>
0: I was worried when we started Baywatch that like it would just be R2 and Obi-Wan, and now it seems like it's it's all over the place. You
1: say that now, but my one and true love, R2, is going to be up there.
0: R2 was kind of just a, I mean, he was just showing up on this one. He was R2 really was
1: sassy on this one. Did you hear what he said about 3PO? So,
0: I mean, I didn't because I don't speak his language, but something saucy.
1: You got the gist. Yeah, yeah. It was real sassy.
0: All in all, this is a a fun arc. It's very funny. And if you watch all three of them together, it's a nice little little mini mini movie, I guess.
1: I would say that I don't think Destroy Malevolence, the third episode, is absolutely critical to what is going on. Mm -hmm. But it is really fun to see Anakin and everybody that he loves stranded on a ship and everyone's trying to get back to one place in one piece. Mm -hmm. That is very fun. But... I don't think it was the most critical component of the arc.
0: Yes. Out of these three episodes, I feel like the first two are a strong Ahsoka arc. Hmm. And then the middle one is very much a strong moment for Anakin. And then the third one is a strong moment of bonding between Anakin and Obi-Wan.
1: If you had to pick a favorite, which one would you pick?
0: Out of these three, Mm -hmm. I would actually pick strong Lovelands.
1: Mmm, interesting.
0: Because of Obey Wan.
1: Ah, oh, Obey. It's
0: a. He's got some really good fight scenes. They're very fun.
1: He can do no wrong. <laughs> I think I would pick the first episode. Yeah,
0: that one's a real thriller, and mm. it's uh, it seems like it's going to be a clone-centric one, and
1: it's it's not. The stakes are very high. Yeah, yeah. But the stakes are high
0: across this whole thing, and I think it, it's an interesting moment. During the Clone Wars, that shows the strength of the Republic, the strength of the Republic Army and the Jedi Army and the clones all working together to solve a problem, which is this massive ship which straight up eats fleets. It's scary. And they, they resolve it as as a team.
1: I think it's very cool. Anakin and his little hacker bug <laughs> send them into the moon. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a, that's a good way to blow up a ship.
1: One point for Anakin. I'll take it back later. Don't worry.
0: Okay. Well, that wraps it up for the malevolence, Eric. As always, you can find us on social media at Growing Up Skywalker. If you like the show, please, please, please leave us a review on your podcast app. We're on all the podcast apps. There's no podcast apps we're not on.
1: That is true. Or you can send it to your favorite pinky out bay friend.
0: Or the person who found you and might need finding themselves.
1: Oh, yeah. Send it to that friend. They deserve it. They deserve it all. Send their name to us and we'll put them on Baywatch. I ain't even mad about it.
0: Yeah, and if you want those Baywatch rankings, those are on our website, as long as some show notes that we don't get to and uh, maybe some other goodies on Patreon. Mm-hmm. So
1: Plenty of other goodies, including the cryometer. Yeah. Finally, if you have any questions, please feel free to always send us a listener, Holocron. You can find us at growingupskywalker at gmail.com or any of our social media accounts. And tune in next Tuesday for...
0: Season 1, Episode 5, Rookies.
1: Which Sam has promised is probably going to make me cry, so... Spoiler alert.
0: A little bit of a spoiler. Those of you who have watched at home and heard the Clone Cadets episode, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right.
0: Yeah. I'll, I'll make sure to bring out a fresh shirt.
1: And some Kleenex. <laughs> All yeah. right. Have a great week, y'all. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>